0: Terror by Radio's Masters of the Macabre. Story of the supernatural, the supernormal, dramatized aspects fact fat the mystery mystery, the unknown. We tell you this frightfully, right, right. so if you wish to like avoid the excitement and tension of these magnetic may, we urge you, our may see a treat to turn more Welcome back to the horror. Thanks for joining me this week. We're going to hear from Beyond Midnight this time. A series produced in South Africa for Springbok Radio. It aired from November of 1968 to April of 1970. We're going to hear Under the Hull Tree, their story from July 25th, 1969. A woman was stringing scarlet willy-willy seeds into a barbaric necklace. The man was idly looking through a basket of unmounted photographic prints. The drooping branches of the hull tree shut out the glare of the late afternoon sun, and the fluttering leaves were backgrounded by a purple-blue horizon from which long lines of white surf came rolling in, curling nearer, and nearer, until they washed softly up the sand to the line of rocks. The man continued to toss the prince over idly. Suddenly he stopped and bent forward. He bent forward over one of them. His expression was at first one of amazement. This changed into fear, and then disbelief illumined his face as he turned to the woman. Where did you get this one? This is a true story. I shall not name the person who recounted it to me. I have no proof of its authenticity. I merely offer it to you as something quite unbelievable. And yet, it happened. Hawaii. Under the Hull Tree. Biotech, the new soap and pre-wash powder presents Beyond Midnight by Michael McKez. Just soak, just soak in Biotex. Just soak, just soak in Biotex. Just soak, just soak in Biotex. If you have wondered how to get your washing really stain-free, understand this: Biotex removes the stains and dirt washing won't.
1: Just soak,
0: just soak in Biotex. Stains, grass stains, tiresome collar and cuff stains, ingrained dirt, soil and grime, out they all come, and you don't stir a finger. Just soak. Just soak in Biotex. Biotex with natural enzymes is the pre-wash powder with the most enzymes to give you extra pre-wash power. Absolutely no rubbing, no color loss, no fabric wear. Use it for cotton, silks, woolens, synthetics. Use it to make new again. Soaking in Biotex removes the stains and dirt that washing won't. Just soak. Just soak in Biotex. Where?
1: Where? Yes. I took it. No, I mean this one. I did. I, did. The thing I took it. You photographed it. You couldn't have. Well, I did. When did you take it? What on earth is the matter with you? If I said... When? When? About three weeks ago. The morning they went away.
0: And the woman tied the thread of the necklace, and then wrapped the long line of red round and round her white throat, like three scarlet gashes.
1: Here, they were here. These people, see, really? see, they posed under that coconut tree over there, the one with the big vine hanging down.
0: And the man turned and gazed at the tree, and at the great leaves of the swinging, swaying vine. And his finger touched the picture, where the same giant spray swayed over
1: the heads of the two peoples. What was their name? Odd, why? I, mean, I suppose I knew their name. I was just going to say it. It didn't come. I've forgotten. I shall think of it a moment. Wait, it was... yeah. Uh, let me see, uh... Began with an A. No. Yes, I think it did begin with an A. Yes. Oh well, I, I can't remember it. Now I'll tell you when it comes to me. No so, how is is it? Yes, there is. I, I want to know the name. Then <laughs> you'll have to go up to the office and ask. Now, I can't remember. What in the world so exciting about them anyway, huh? I'm not accustomed to sharing attention with anyone. Certainly not with a photograph.
0: and the man got up and started across the lawn under the banyan tree toward the hotel entrance. The woman looked after him and then at the basket. Then she too rose, picked up the photograph, and followed the man. But
1: this is stupid. You must remember them. They yeah. I've just seen a photograph of them. Well, there are so many coming and going all the time. Yes, but...
0: ah, oh, wait. Here. Have you all? Have you got the photograph?
1: What was it, name? it...
0: Here. You see them? Photograph down there, uh, under the heart tree. Hmm?
1: Who are they? Oh. Why, that was Mr. and Mrs. Um, Mr. and Mrs. <laughs> uh, wait. Here. It, it's in the register. They came here about, uh, let me see, about the middle of March. Uh, let me see. Oh. But can't, how, you find them? <laughs> I can't understand why you're so anxious. Look, my necklace is pretty. Willy, Willy, see, that's clear I can't find the name. I know it if I saw it. I wonder what boat they came on. They came from the Orient. What? Mm, yes. Yeah. They came on the... On the... March, March. They must have come on the Korea. Uh, here they are, the Korea people. Foster, Martin, Kudahai, Abercrombie. What's this name? And they got the right mm. mm. name. No, those weren't the ones. I remember the Tosalot. Ah, oh, wait. Uh, Mr. Western, mm-hmm. what, um, could you help us, sir? Some people here.
0: Hello. Enjoying your stay? Yes, Who thank were you, these the, people? Does... Their name, do you remember? Hmm? Uh, oh Oh. Yeah, I want to know their name, you see. Nobody... Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember. Yes? Yeah. yeah, what was their name?
1: Oh,
0: not forgotten. So oh, just look it up in the book, Miss Ambrose.
1: Oh, we can't find it, Mr. Western. It doesn't seem to be here.
0: Well, it must be. Well, what room do they have?
1: I think... Second floor. No. Third. 312, perhaps. I don't know. Well, it's it's someone in the, the I, I think oh, yeah, I remember, I remember the Third floor, though.
0: <laughs> but I remember them. Uh, give me the book, Miss Ambrose. Oh, okay. the
1: career. They must have come on the career... Uh, there. Those are the people. See? Yeah. Foster, Martin. I'm in the See? whole hotel. What about but the wait? Tell me why
0: it's so important. Is it important? Yes. Vitally important. I know their name as well as I know my own, too. They came by way of the Orient with you for three or four weeks. Why, they only went away a short time ago. Isn't it strange? I can't think of their name. The woman had a white scar on her neck. Clear old-fashioned she was. Pardon? What about, uh, huh? Oh, kind of old-fashioned, funny. You know, she was sweet, pretty. Well, I mean, we must have passed that name half a dozen times here. I thought I'd recognize it at a glance. You can't any of you remember their names, know which room they stayed in. You can't find anything
1: about them in the book? They've only been gone three weeks. Well, I God. can't remember. I mean, I have nearly as much to think of as they have, not nearly.
0: Well, i must be. The, the kitchen. I'll let you know the moment I remember it. The
1: name. If, if I do. Oh, oh. Oh, Mrs. DeCourtney. Oh, excuse me. Uh, Mrs. DeCourtney. the uh, elevation have a working This is. Never mind. Let's go back to the heart tree. There
0: isn't much to
1: tell. They came from the Orient.
0: The woman's fingers were playing with the scarlet seeds. The man was leaning far back in the low chair. He stared, away beyond the purple-blue horizon. He shielded his eyes from the sun.
1: They were queer people. In in what way were they queer? They were sort of... Mr. some wrinkles, that's the only way I can describe them. As if they'd been asleep for twenty years. Twenty years? Yes, yeah, twenty years. I know, because their clothes were exactly like my aunt's wedding clothes. This is 1924, my aunt was married just twenty years ago and kept her whole truce for a She let us take some dresses once for fancy-dress ball, them. They were exactly like this woman's clothes. Same sleeves, shirt and two places with a wide, Lace ruffle at the elbow. Mm-hmm. skirts gathered all the way around the waist. Sort of bolero jacket effect. Little ruffly thing. Her hair, too. Her hair? Hmm. Same little smooth waves like Auntie's. Like Auntie's pictures. What else? Huh? Uh, face was small and sweet. Hmm. You can see in the photograph. Yeah. And see. a rusty little voice. I remember. Oh, yes, she. She had some spots on the shoulder of the dress of the suit she was traveling in. Gray it was, and you can see them spots in the picture. Carnation doesn't quite cover them. Hmm. She wouldn't send to the cleaners in case it got spoilt. She wanted to wait until she got home. Said her grandmother had a recipe for a cleaning sort or something. Hmm. She was so worried about those silly spots. She kept dabbing at them with her handkerchief as if she could rub them off. Go on. All you can remember. Well, she wasn't young. 34, 35. Her face was so sweet and happy. And yet... Yes? She always had this look as if... Sort of expression of... Of waiting? Yes. That's it. What's the matter? Hmm? What is it? Oh, hmm. I, I don't think I can explain it. It's it, impossible. What is it? Look, I wish...
0: The man's knuckles were gripping the chair until they showed white. He was staring out to sea with the same worried, unbelieving look as before. Suddenly... The woman was very disturbed. She glanced at the photograph. It was just an ordinary photograph. The people in it were ordinary enough. Or were they? Like a new man. It's a lovely day today. I thought I had flu. I took a grandpa headache powder, and I'm well better. When colds and flu are about, grandpa headache powders are what you need. Grandpa headache powders work fast because they dissolve almost immediately. Grandpa makes all those dreadful flu symptoms disappear quickly. So whenever you're in pain, get fast relief. Get grandpa headache powder.
1: Ah, grandpa.
0: Just so. Just soak in Biotex. Stains, grass stains, collar and cut stains, ingrained dirt, soil and grime. Out they come and you don't stir a finger. Just soak. Just soak in Biotex. Biotex with natural enzymes is the pre-wash powder with the most enzymes to give you extra pre-wash power. Absolutely no rubbing, no color loss, no fabric wear. Soaking in Biotex removes the stains and dirt that washing will not Just soak. Just soak in Biotex. or five very small, tawny Hawaiian children had gathered on the shoreward end of the pier, where, with much giggling and splashing, they discarded their halukas and overalls, and were paddling joyously in the clear water, carefully out of range of the hotel office. The man and the woman sat, as before, under the howl tree.
1: She seemed to be waiting. But what for? Here. You talk to her often? Hmm. What did she talk about? I don't know. She was the sort of woman who never says anything to be remembered. We just talked. And the man? Well, oh, Frank. Frank Perrier, 20 years back. He had a sort of drooping moustache and wore his hair brushed up like uncles when he was married. And his trousers were too short and too tight. The toes of his shoes were thin and... Ties he wore round his neck, they were fun. She was most interesting, though, if either of them could be called interesting. This waiting thing about her, it had got to be a habit, you know. She, she was always ready to talk. She was quiet and quite quaint. Hmm? Quiet, quite quaint, something like the beginning of a Victorian poem or something. Sometimes she would get a, a bit embarrassed when you talked talk to her. Her little hands used to go up to her necklace, which was made of coral. Her hands were very thin, white. She said the necklace belonged to her grandmother. It was very old.
0: Did they tell you where they came from?
1: Yes, I told you from the audience. They'd been round the world. No, I mean, what was their home? Wh- where was it? They were from South Africa. Where? say I think. Somewhere. Windenburg or somewhere. I don't know. I can't remember.
0: And after that, they were quiet for a very long time. The woman sat waiting to be told something remarkable. She knew that she would be told something remarkable, but she felt she had to wait for the man to choose his time. Finally, the woman spoke. Well? Well, They lived in my town. Brunfors, not Winberg. He was my uncle, my mother's brother. His father kept a small bookshop. Books, pictures, things, you know. He'd fought in the war. The Kafir wars too, way back. The family was all English originally, but they reckoned they'd given up on the old country and were more for the Union than anybody. My uncle's father had many a fistfight with the Boers to prove he was so truly integrated. He always lost, apparently. They never went back to England to live. My uncle took charge of the store when his father died. He was 16 then. His mother died two years after. He was the only one of the family left. He'd always intended to marry Jenny. She was his sweetheart when they were babies, before he was eight years old. When he was eight, his uncle came back from around the world, and the boy sat on the old, stiff hair sofa, covered in animal skins, and listened. He was fascinated by all the tales he heard of, of the other countries, India, Ceylon, Australia, and the Far East, his uncle took him on his knee and asked him what he was going to do when he got to be a man. Marry Jenny and go round the world on our wedding trip, he said. He was your
1: uncle, the man in the
0: photograph? And that was his one ambition from then on. He and Jenny discussed their trip, discussed it and discussed it, day in and day out. They knew they were going when Johannes was grown up. Johannes, you see, all the children were given names like that. Although the family remained essentially English, they sort of pushed Englishness away. No one even called him Joe. He, he was too earnest. He was always my Uncle Johannes. And when the shop was completely his, he began putting away every possible penny towards the tour. He and Jenny had made up their minds. No matter how long they had to wait, they wouldn't marry until they'd saved enough money for the journey. Jenny was a MacDonald. They went out to Africa, the family did, in the middle of the last century... And there were MacDonalds of Scottish ancestry who couldn't say a word of English. Spoke Afrikaans all the time. Knew no other language. So well, they
1: saved for the trip. Did they... I...
0: It was very slow, the saving, in a little town like Brunford. But they never faltered. Jenny did hand-painted china, which sold in the shop at Christmas time. She taught classes at school, painting classes, little watercolors. ...green woolly trees and white woolly clouds and little grey woolly rocks... ...wooden sheep and cattle and Noah's Ark sort of people. I've got some in them back home. And then? And between times they studied maps and made up itineraries... ...read history and travel so they'd be ready to get the most out of their trip. There were years and years of this. Good years when quite a lot was added to the little hoard in the bank... Bad years when there were droughts and fires and new roofs to be put on. Then the savings were drawn upon them. Jenny was thirty before she began making her trousseau. They thought it would be only about another two years then. I used to go to sit with her and watch her work. I used to see how she made her little drawings on China, and I used to watch her sewing her dresses. She made them all herself. She gathered the sleeves in little lines of gathers with puffs between and gathered in the skirts all round and the little ruffles for the trimmings on the shoulders. And then? Well, it wasn't just two years. It was five. Uncle Johannes was sick for three months, and he had to hire a clerk and pay doctor's bills. It was five years. I helped Jenny pick out the grey material for her travelling dress. I was 14 then. Well I'm 34 now. And she and Uncle Johannes were my... Dearest friends.
1: Wait a minute. You were 14 and... and Shh. I- I'll
0: tell you. I spent hours with them over the maps and the railway guides and things. the Steamship schedules. Everything. All the neighbors helped. The Brains and the Worst and the MacDonald's. It was going to be a wonderful journey. She was going to have a wedding dress and a traveling dress in one. It was marvelous.
1: And they went then?
0: They were married one morning in May. Uncle Johannes gave me grandfather's watch that morning. I said goodbye to them at the church door. I didn't dare go to the station with them. I ran home and hid amongst the meanies for hours, long, long after I heard their train whistle for the crossing. Then after a long while, I heard a horse come galloping along. It was coming fast. The man straightened in his chair. On his face, there was a faraway sad expression, as if remembering great disasters to loved ones. The sun was setting out by the point of the Wianney Range, and the water had turned to orange and crimson and there were orange and crimson flecks in the clear sky above the grey-black streak of the horizon, and on the woman's white dress, and in her eyes as she bent forward to listen to what the man was saying. The man who rode the horse was in a very bad condition. He'd had a fright.
1: The There was a ogre. The accident was broken. The fire of the fire was broken. Help Help
0: I ran to the station and flung myself aboard just as the breakdown train pulled out. There was no time to stop to put me off. There'd been a collision with a freight train. The carriages had all burned except one, the passenger cab, and that had been wrecked. Those who'd been taken out were lying on the grass by the side of the track. I found my Uncle Johannes and his Jenny. Uncle Johannes was propped up against a big rock. Jenny was half-leaning, half-lying against him. There were three red gashes across her throat and she was trying to wipe the spots from the shoulder of her travelling frock with her handkerchief. Weak, ineffectual, artificial little movements. There was no expression at all in her eye. She made only a few little movements after I came. Such poor, useless little movements and then
1: it was all over. Man.
0: Uncle Johannes was leaning back against the rock and breathing only once in a great while and looking at her. And when the little movement stopped, he looked up at me. He hadn't looked at me before, but he knew I was there. He spoke only once before he died. And he said it isn't the end. I've got to begin all over again. station on their wedding day. the photographer turned it over to me it's them isn't it? the two who stayed here yes. it's I'm going to take Jenny around the world.
1: Let's go in. Let's go where the light...
0: In biotech. Just soak. Just soak in biotech. Just soak. Just soak in biotech. If you have wondered how to get your washing really stain free, understand this. Biotechs removes the stains and dirt washing won't. Just soak. Just soak in biotech. Stains, grass stains, tiresome collar and cuff stains, ingrained dirt, soil and grime. Out they all come and you don't stir a finger. Just soak. Just soak in Biotex. Biotex with natural enzymes is the pre-wash powder with the most enzymes to give you extra pre-wash power. Absolutely no rubbing, no color loss, no fabric wear. Use it for cottons, silks, woollens, synthetics. Use it to make new again. Soaking in Biotex removes the stains and dirt that washing won't. Just soak. Just soak in Biotex. In Beyond Midnight next Friday. We're broadcasting Charles Birkin's The Yellow Dressing Gown*. Unlike Under the Howl Tree, which you've just heard, this is not a ghost story. And for perhaps two-thirds of the programme, the listener will hardly expect anything at all horrific. It would make one uneasy, don't you think, to be able to gaze into a crystal ball and see scenes from one's future. Most of us would decline an invitation to do this because the unknown is far more bearable than a certain future, especially if that future should prove to be in the least way unpleasant. But Lillian Hamilton has a crystal ball, and she watches her own future and is frightened and repelled. In that day yet to come, she is wearing the yellow dressing gown. Beyond Midnight is presented every Friday night at half
1: past nine by Biotechs, the new soak and pre-wash powder.